0: Dorkgillalexanderpregame.com, pregame.com a returning champion if you will for the fourth time during the playoffs because the finals are here he's been so kind to us throughout the nba playoffs mark spears from yahoo sports what's happening mark
1: man i'm just like a polka dot man just trying to find my spot <laughs>
0: Wait, it's so funny. Every week you have one of these lies. <laughs> where, where in the world did you find out? I'm like a uh, I, I polka like
1: messing with you, man. I want to <laughs> give you something different every time we
0: do it. I'm like a polka dot just looking for my spot. Nice. You All like right. that? I like it. Very well done. So here's the thing. We've gone through the whole playoffs. It's arguably, you know, up until the last week been the worst NBA playoffs from a competitive standpoint in the history of the league, and then all of a sudden, the Suns woke up, the Magic woke up, had ourselves a little series, and in the end, the NBA has its marquee matchup. Could it have worked out any better for the league at this point?
1: No, no, no. I mean, well, I guess one could say if, if Cleveland was in it, you know, maybe it would be more attractive Kobe versus LeBron, but, you know, I'm a traditionalist, man. I... I love the Celtics, uh, Lakers matchups since, you know, I, people tend to say that, I don't know, the, the, uh, Red Sox and Yankees is better or Michigan, Ohio state, or, you know, but I think the one thing that makes this rivalry more special than, than all the others is they don't play each other that often, right. you know, especially not on this level, you know, and, uh, This is uh, as high as it gets, and I mean the Red Sox, the Yankees can never play for the World Series. But when these two teams get together, man, it's it's definitely Hatfield and McCoy. They they hate each other, and and they're just so different. You know, you got the Hollywood Lakers, um, the pretty boys. They run and gun. They got all the celebrities there at the games. It's, It's beautiful outside, and then Boston's gritty, you know, in your face, tough. Just uh, completely opposite, man. You won't see that many celebrities at the game, but <laughs> you're going to find somebody in the front row that's going to curse you out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just two polar opposites, man. And they, they respect each other, but they hate each other, and every game will be extremely intense. It, it, to me, the thing that's amazing is that more than half of the NBA Finals have been won by one of these two franchises. I mean... Even in the era of the salary cap, the Lakers and the Celtics have risen to the top again, and that says a lot about how great and smart and lucky these two franchises are.
0: Okay, well, let me. You, you actually bring up something there at the end. Okay, well, first of all, yes, you're absolutely right. 32 championships among the two the Celtics with 17, the Lakers with 15, five of which were in. Uh, Minneapolis but 32 combined championships and as you said the Celtics in 2008 the Lakers the defending champions winning it last year but let's talk about that point you brought up the fact that they've been able to do it here in the salary cap era there are some like myself who still have a bad taste in their mouths about the Celtics getting Kevin Garnett and the Lakers getting Pau Gasol how is it that those two franchises are able to pull off deals like that? Whereas, let's say the team that I grew up on, the Washington Bullets franchise, which is now the Washington Wizards franchise, I know in a million years... might be
1: something else pretty soon again, but continue.
0: Yeah, oh, was oh, that right? We'll have to get into that, too. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, I know in a million years, my franchise could never have acquired one of those two players. Were those completely legitimate things in
1: your eyes? Well, but look, look at how they got them. So Kevin McHale is like, hmm... I gotta trade Kevin Garnett. I don't want him in the Western Conference. Where could I trade him to get some good players back and just 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 feel like good about it? Send him to Boston. Send him to his former team. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what he did. He sent Kevin Garnett to his former team. He could have got Amari Stoudemire for uh, Kevin Garnett. He could have, but instead he chose Al Jefferson. I mean. To me, at that time, it really, really didn't make sense to me that they would trade, not trade for Amari. I I mean, not that Al Jefferson's not any good, but to me, Amari was clearly a better player. But Mikael was like, "Nah, I'm going to send him to Boston. So I'm sure there's some, you know, I want to help out the Celtics in there. You know, especially after it's been so long since they won a the title, uh, and then look at look at who traded Gasol to the Lakers, Jerry West. He <laughs> yeah. saw the Lakers slipping. That's his story team. That's his that, that team is his heart. You know, so what i was saying that part of it is lucky, part of it is good, part of it is, you know, just just being a great franchise, and and if you, the, those two moves that that basically turn the franchises around. Or trades that came from their own.
0: They tilted the league on its axis yes.
1: with those two trades,
0: for sure. That makes sense, and and that's absolutely right. But you know, you're right about McHale. McHale might have been the only person in the world who thought Al Jefferson was a better move than Amari at the time.
1: I mean, and look at that Lakers trade. I mean, and don't get me wrong, Paul Gasol's brother is really good. I mean, they got basically they got Marcus off of Gasol. Yeah. Because Crittenton is not there no more. Kwame Brown is not there no more, and maybe they got a bad draft pick out of it. But you talk to different GMs and stuff around the league, they're still upset about Gasol getting traded to the Lakers.
0: Yeah, so I'm glad. At least that makes me feel like I'm not being crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that being said, Rajon Rondo, face of the franchise of the Celtics now, it wasn't like he was a top-five pick. No, that's true. Phoenix actually had that pick. You know, they did a great job getting him. Uh, scouting him, picking him, you know, same with Kendrick Perkins. They got Perkins, you know, very underrated center in the 20. I mean, in late in the first round, um, look at the Lake Lakers side. Of A lot of people could have chosen Andrew Bynum. Did it? They were able to get our at the mid-level exception. Why did our go there? Well, he went there, uh, I think because he want to be a part of something special. He want to be a part of history. He can probably got more money somewhere else. Then look at Ray Allen. Okay? Look at that whole draft thing here. Um, that draft three years ago, the Celtics wanted Odin. They wanted the number one pick. The, they didn't get Odin. They wanted a the number two pick, and they wanted Durant, and they would have been happy. That was, like, supposedly one of the worst days in franchise history when they got the fifth pick. Right. Okay. It ended up being one of the greatest days in franchise history because what they ended up doing was trading that number five pick and some some guards and stuff like that, or whatever they traded, to Seattle for Ray Allen and the draft rights to Glenn Davis. You know, that was a trade. That trade, once that trade was made, Kevin Garnett was cool with coming to Boston. So what I'm saying is part of it is lucky, part of it is good, part of it is connections, but... You know those two teams have made good moves too. Yeah. Uh, you know the Lakers bring bringing Derek Fisher back. You know they've they've made the right moves. You know Ray Allen didn't want to leave Seattle. He was upset about it at first. He now he loves Boston. Would hate to go, but. It's convoluted, I guess you could say. Yeah, but interesting nonetheless.
0: Well, I think your your point about the whole, um, you know, not getting the first pick in Odin and ending up with a fifth pick and parlaying that into other talent that ends up helping you in the long run. I think that's Mm -hmm. actually a great sort of point about, in general, GMs in sports, even beyond the NBA, which is a lot of times they just get dumb lucky trying to do something else that they think is better than they end up falling into a position where they're like, oh, look how this worked out, and they will get all the accolades yeah. in the end. So, I mean, it, it, it is an interesting thing how, how it worked out for Danny Ainge because before the whole Garnett thing, he was widely sort of mocked at that point as not having done yeah. much of a job at well, all. Well, another
1: thing is, look how revered Doc Rivers is now. Oh, exactly. When I first got to Boston, I left the Denver Post in 2007 to cover the Celtics right? Right when the big three arrived. Doc Rivers was hated at that time.
0: And deservedly.
1: Well, I mean, they, they have, he had coached nothing but bad teams. It shows you, I don't care how great a coach you are. If you don't have talent, you can't win. Mm-hmm. And all his teams were bad, you know? Um, people wanted Doc's head. Okay. They wanted him fired. They thought, he, you know, he. I wish I could go back and read the emails I got when I first started coming to beat. When are they going to fire Doc? When are they going to fire Doc? You know, they were like booing Doc in the end of last season, that 2006, six seven season, you know. Now he's like, oh, no, we're scared that he's going to leave. So it's amazing how things can turn around for the good or bad.
0: So then answer me this then, Mark, along those same lines, in your opinion, how much... Um Either is overtly spoken or is just sort of a sort of buzz underneath the surface. Our NBA coaches th- say to themselves about a guy like Phil Jackson, who's won 10 championships and perhaps could be on a cusp of his 11th, but has done so, of course, six times with Jordan, four times with Kobe, three of which was Shaq. How much of that are, are under the surface is, yeah, give me those players. Phil Jackson isn't much.
1: Um. Well, I think it's like 50-50. I mean, shoot. Phil Jackson, would have, if he would have coached uh, Memphis, they wouldn't have done nothing this year. You know what I mean? They might have been a little bit better or whatever. I mean, he, Phil has been blessed with great players, which has been a knock on them. That being said, the one thing that's great about Doc Rivers and Phil Jackson is you still have to be able to manage all those egos, manage all those personalities. And uh, I tell you what, that starting five uh, of the Celtics is very high maintenance now. Oh, really? You know, there's definitely a lot of egos there. You know, I mean, nice guys and all, but, you know, Kevin Garnett's probably got the biggest ego in the NBA.
0: Oh, really? Do tell. Uh, why? And why? We'll give give an example. I believe it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean, well, huh. no, but what I'm saying is, you know, I mean, obviously Kobe has an ego. I mean, all yeah. oh, yeah. probably has the ego to a certain extent. You, you as your Doc Rivers, you got to coach three all stars, three guys that are used to being the man on their team. Now you're dealing with a younger player who's got an ego and, and is the new face of the franchise. And then you got a center who feels underappreciated. If you aren't the right coach who could manage all those personalities, I don't care how much talent you have, it's going to fall apart. You know, same with what Lakers you're, you're dealing with the best player in the world, you know, and keeping him happy and, and making sure you hold him accountable. Like a lot of coaches, Could have great talent, but if they're too scared to, like, one thing that Doc Rivers and Phil Jackson do is they have no problems telling you where to put it, you know? Mm -hmm. Telling you to sit down and shut up, and this is what it is, you know? But a lot of coaches probably might be in awe of coaching all those guys and can't do it. So, yeah, I mean, like, that's what I mean by half of it is having talent, but the other half is being able to manage the talent to To get everybody on the same
0: page. That makes sense. I mean, I didn't mean to extract all credit in the world from Phil Jackson. Obviously, he's come through (laughs) and won all those championships, that's for sure. Um, Before we get to Lakers-Celtics specific questions, though, you did bring up the Wizards. Not only do I'm curious about the, the name change thing, but I floated a LeBron scenario a couple weeks ago, and... Isn't it first of all interesting how the LeBron talk has quickly died down since the Lakers and Celtics uh, looked as though they were going to meet here in the finals and series got competitive? But I I want to float out something to you and I want to tell you I want you to tell me how stupid I am. LeBron James, obviously, we know what the what the usual sus, uh, suspects are here. The major candidates where he could end up uh, staying in Cleveland, as you and I have talked about, uh, you believe is probably the front runner. Then there was the New York thing thrown out, New Jersey, the Clippers, the Bulls, of course, being the front runner. Someone said the Heat. Why now? Explain to me, Mark, why a team like the Washington Wizards. I'm not saying he's going to end up there, but why is a team like the Wizards after they get the first pick in the draft? and could potentially have John Wall and Gilbert Arenas, because I'm not necessarily buying into the fact that they can't have both, although I understand the reasons why they might not want both. But why can't a team like that, who has the platform of Washington, D.C., the president of the United States, who could be a first-fan situation right behind you, make you, put you on some political platform, why isn't a team like that even a consideration? for a guy like LeBron
1: I mean their consideration he just has better options the whole situation with Gilbert probably doesn't help That just puts such a cloud on the franchise and then and I've told you this before I think that if LeBron's gonna leave Cleveland I'm sure he's gonna want to sign a trade deal because one trump card that Cleveland has is in that last year they could offer one extra year of a contract at 30 million dollars mm-hmm. Dwayne Wade has said publicly that's a lot of money, man. Even even the richest men in the world wouldn't sneeze on $30 million. That's a lot of money to walk away from. So in order for you to go to that team and get that year, you would need a sign and trade. That's where I think a lot of problems will arise for some of these superstars who are thinking about going somewhere else and getting that extra money. Can you really have your cake and eat it too? You know what I mean? Because if LeBron wants to go to Chicago or... New Jersey or Miami or whatever—they're not gonna. He's not gonna go there if they gut the team to do a sign and trade. You know, should Cleveland want to do a sign and trade and really receive nothing but like I guess salary relief from it, when they can get a, the salary relief anyways by just letting him go? Because if you say make a trade with Chicago and you're sending them here, and they're offering salary relief and a bunch of draft picks, well, how good are those draft picks gonna be? you know, I mean, okay, you get all these bad first round picks and then you, you get committed to pay these players for three years. Uh, you know what I mean? But the one place, and, and I'll say something that is interesting to me, the interesting theory a scout gave me is that, you know, don't everybody's talking about New York and Chicago or him staying in Cleveland. But he said, don't discount New Jersey. And I'm like, well, why? Well, what makes New Jersey attractive? And I kind of understood, but I wanted to hear him say it. And, uh, He's like, well, one, New Jersey has the, if you think about it, they probably have the best talent for him to just walk into and play with. And so I know because even though New Jersey has the best record, they still have some interesting talent there. They have Devin Harris, who was an all-star two years ago, who had injury problems last year. They had Courtney Lee, who had injury problems last year, who started for the Magic last year in the finals, or two seasons ago in the finals small forward is basically the open position. Um, At power forward they got E and Len, a Chinese kid who has been a disappointment. But remember the Nets have the number three pick which will allow them to grab the best big man that they feel is in the draft which probably is Derek Favors from Georgia Tech or or the kid from uh, Kentucky, big kid cousins. So there you're plugging in a, a big man, a young big man for the future and then at center, you have the guy who very well may be the best offensive center in the league in Brook Lopez. Ah, he's walking into a young, talented group right there. Okay, now you're playing in New Jersey. Is that big of that big of a deal? Next two seasons, I think it would have certainly aided them if they were going to Brooklyn. But Newark is a beautiful arena. It's a very, very nice arena. The one thing about playing in New York is. You could live in New York and play in New Jersey. It's easy it would be easy for him to live in Manhattan and then drive to practice in New Jersey or cut playing a game in Newark, you know. Keep in mind the whole Jay Z influence. And then I think the one thing that people probably don't understand is if he were to go there straight up, right, and uh, lose that thirty million dollars, who's to say that his new rich deep pocket owner can't find him thirty million dollars in endorsements in Russia? That would be something. You know, huh? Right? Yeah, it would be That's something. That's the one thing that I think that owner could new owner could probably do that everybody else can't. He could find the money in Russia, endorsement wise, to to kinda take care of all that. That's why like New Jersey just seems like a. I I think if he's gonna leave Cleveland actually New Jersey's probably the best option.
0: Uh, before uh, talking Lakers-Celtics, any so any chance then Mikel uh, Prokhorov, the Nets owner, or Ted Leonsis, the new owner in Washington, will change the names of their team since you brought it up earlier?
1: No, I think Brooklyn Nets stays. Because it sounds like Nets. <laughs> <laughs> think about that. <laughs> um, as far as the Wizards are concerned, they could change their jersey colors or name, whatever, again, but Gilbert still on the team, so you know. Wow, is he that think,
0: m- that much of an albatross at this point?
1: I think Gilbert's a great player, but that whole situation is is definitely a a dark cloud over the franchise. You know. Jeez. So uh, I think Gilbert is your friend that makes a bad move that puts a scarlet letter on him when he's really inside. He's a good guy who just made a bad mistake. Yeah. Gilbert's he- not a bad bad guy. He just did something stupid. That's it-
0: what I'm saying. <laughs>
1: And he's gonna be, you know he's got that scarlet letter on him, you know, but I'm I'm actually hoping that he comes back and plays and you know, I talked to John Wall and he's looking forward to playing with Gilbert and, you know, who knows, maybe they could be a young fighting team.
0: That's what I'm saying. I just I just uh, to me, I think we we're so reactionary in the society, and I think I happen to agree with what you're saying. Gilbert Arenas is not a bad guy. He just he just did something so stupid. I mean, you know, just really stupid, off the chart stupid. But it's like in the end, what are we really talking about here? It's like you know, it's the Iverson. We're talking about practice. What are we really talking yeah, here yeah. With, with Gilbert? It's like you know, what did he really do? He's just a he's just a
1: I mean, strange luckily, dude. What everybody can say is, well, what if something happened? You know, yeah. No, I understand. You know. It was done. Nothing did. Nothing happened. He's been remorseful. And he paid his debt. He I think he's grown up, you know. Um, paid his debt to society, Mark, so
0: that's you know. No, he, he definitely
1: has. Yeah. But you know, I mean Yeah. They're gonna be media people, they're gonna be fans, they're gonna give him a hard time. Of course. And uh you know, after but, you know, hey, Kobe Bryant got through his situation, look look where he is now.
0: And and one um, could and one could argue it was far more egregious, you know, than anything Gilbert did. One could argue. So, I'm just saying. Alright, so Lakers and Celtics. Celtics of 17 championships, Lakers of 15, Lakers defending champions, Celtics won the year before. Two games this year, the Lakers won by a point in their game uh, that they won, and the Celtics won by a point in the game they won back in February. January for the Lakers win, February for the Celtics win. Alvin Gentry did a little coaching in the... uh, Western Conference Finals broke out his zone defense, gave the Lakers a whole bunch of trouble early on, or at least in games three and four. How much of that playbook does Doc Rivers adopt, in your opinion?
1: Um, I don't, I don't think much because they have the best defense in the league, anyways. You know, it, to me, there's a little bit of zone in their defense as it is. One thing for sure is they're gonna like shut down the driving lanes. So, you know, they're gonna force Kobe to shoot a lot of jumpers. And uh, to me, that's going to be Kobe's biggest challenge is trying to figure out a way to get to the basket, uh, not have to rely on his jumper all the time. They're going to play tough defense on him. This is, you know, and another thing that's going to make it more challenging is he has to guard Ray, Ray Allen on the other end. And other than maybe guarding Westbrook in the first round, he really hasn't been challenged on the other end healthy and with all these days off you know the celtics definitely have the best defense in the league and it'll be a great challenge for for the lakers but i also think that the celtics are a half-court team which is more conducive to andrew Bynum's style of play and he's excited about this series he thinks he's going to be able to do a lot more than he did the previous two series while dealing with this knee injury so he's very 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 excited Right now, I just, I, I expect a long series of games with no scoring in the 100s. No scoring it's in gritty, the no, I don't think any team reaches 100 in either game. But um, I, I just kind of like the way Kobe's playing, the way they're playing as a team, the way Pat Gasol's playing, playing with, with Garnett's injury, the fact that they got home court. I I, I kind of like the, I like the Lakers to win in seven, and, and I know, on a radio show in Boston yesterday, and I know they were mad about me saying that, but that's just no disrespect to the Celtics. You know, I said seven. it's <laughs> 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 like I said they're gonna get swept. I just, I just think the way Kobe is and and what he it has in stake, whether it's catching Magic Johnson or approaching Michael Jordan, he, he he's pretty focused and he's playing as you saw at the end of that last game against Phoenix on a scary jordan S Johnson, Magic Johnson-like, Oscar, Oscar Robertson-like, you know, Will Chamberlain-like level.
0: So, so then let me let me ask you this, as I'm sure they probably did on the Boston radio station. Once you said that, which is then, what is the Lakers' answer, Mark, for John Rondo?
1: <laughs> there the problem, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, they don't have. You know what? They they don't have an answer. That to me, the two keys for Boston is Rondo and Garnett. Right.
0: Because you know. um, Powell doesn't want any part of Garnett, does he?
1: Um, You know, and I talked about this. I think he's definitely, you know, going to be a little tougher now, you know. I think he's he's grown from that. He hasn't forgotten that. I don't think he's scared of Garnett. This isn't the same imposing Garnett that we saw two years ago. He can't jump like he did before. He can't push like he did before. I don't Powell's not scared of him, and, and Powell hasn't forgotten what happened. So I don't know that Garnett could do the same things to Powell that he did before. Okay, but what about Rajon then? He um, <laughs> he should have definitely a field day. That's the one thing the Lakers have problems with the small guards, as he dealt with Westbrook. But you know what? When it's all said and done, if Rondo's given that, that many problems, don't be surprised if Kobe starts guarding him.
0: Stop it. Really?
1: Well, he guarded Westbrook.
0: Yeah, but if he's going to chase Rondo around the court for seven games, that's got to start affecting him on the oh, offensive end. no question.
1: End. There's, there's definitely an after-effect to that. But um, but Rondo, yeah, I mean, yeah. If you remember, once they put Kobe on Westbrook, Lakers finished it out. So, I mean, because what they would do, I mean, Fish is Fish is a tough defender. They, they If Rondo starts going nuts, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they went to that early.
0: Although, although I can't, you know, as I'm sure as you're saying it, you're thinking the same thing. I can't necessarily buy into the Westbrook analogy since you're dealing with such a green team, if you will, in in the Thunder versus. But you know
1: what, Westbrook is long like Rondo and athletic. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities um, in the way that they play. Uh, I would even say that Russ is a better shooter than Rondo is. They're both amazing athletes. Uh, I think there's a lot of similarities to what they both do. Desperate measure, but yeah it might might very well happen which what I'm saying is it's gonna be a lot tougher series defensively for Kobe because uh, he's gonna have to play on both ends
0: and this is a two three two that's what uh, that's the other thing people have to remember on the, on the yeah. NBA championships is a two three two travel situation, correct Yeah so if the yeah so as I'm saying that's a very interesting thing because if the Celtics are able to take one in LA, all of a sudden you have a not only a home court switch, but you've got a situation where the Lakers then have their backs up against the wall uh, with three straight at the garden. And so that's always a different mm. dynamic in the NBA championship.
1: No, I mean, yeah, the Lakers got to win, too. They Both of them, they can't give up one at home. I'm looking forward to it, man. It, it's it's going to be intense. It's going to be great. It's It's... This basketball this is basketball at its best. It's the NBA at
0: its best. You and I don't get into the world of gambling on all this, and, and we won't hear, but just to th- just the one question I would throw out in general terms is the Celtics are pretty substantial underdogs in the series, and so what I'm hearing from you, though, is that this is a much more— I mean, you're saying seven games as far as you're you're concerned, and so this is a cl- much closer series than the general public, at least at this point, would—
1: Remember the last time— the- Lakers were overwhelming favorites too. Uh, I picked the Celtics. I covered them. I knew how good they were. Uh, I just think that this Lakers team is much better than before. The Celtics team is better than before too. Rondo's much better. Perkins is much better. Kobe is much better. <laughs> I just, uh, I just know that each game will probably be a battle royal. You know, I don't expect blowouts. Or, you know, I'm not sure there might be one or two along the way, but. I just think it's gonna be an old, gritty, old school 1980 style series. It's gonna, yeah, you know. Hopefully, there's no fights in it, but there's potential for that. They hate each other. There's pride there, and you know, Lakers' window is still wide open for titles. Celtics, not so much. So say the Lakers win this one, they're they're starting to, you know, close in on the Celtics as far as championships. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was bad enough in in Celtics fans' eyes that you know Jackson passed our back last year in total titles, uh, even though a bunch of them came with the Bulls. But there's a definite you know competitive thing there going there. They uh,
0: really they really do dislike each other, Mark. That's not just some media creation.
1: No, no. Um, I mean, did I tell you the story about the bus? No, please. Well, the Celtics won, the, won their last championship in 2008. You know sandstorm the streets uh government center right there and then we're we're excited we're obviously celebrating and dancing around his red our back statue where he's puffing on his victory cigar as the bus was leaving out the building uh the lakers didn't have a police escort this time oddly enough just coincidentally and they were stuck in traffic. So Celtics fans said, who's this tall guy that's sitting in front of a bus? Oh, that's Phil Jackson. Next thing you know, they're rocking the bus. They're throwing rocks at the bus. And uh, so it wasn't bad. It was bad enough that they their season was over with, and they got drilled in their last game. They, were, <laughs> they got their bus abused, too, They add insult to injury. I don't know if it was anybody else that the fans would have done that. But the Lakers, yeah. Yeah, well, I know the oh, yeah.
0: I know the fans do, but do, do the teams have an animosity with each other? Do you think, or just a healthy? I think there's a
1: respect there, but they yeah. you know you like see it first game. It's gonna be real serious, real intense. They don't, no, they don't like each other.
0: Fair. By the way, if the situation were reversed, would Lakers like fit? I like
1: I uh, think I heard Cedric Maxwell say if he saw a Laker walking down the alley on fire, he he went through throw a small cup of water on them, you know. <laughs> I think he said something else, but I, I used the water up. Right there you go,
0: cornbread Maxwell, one of yeah. the one of the underrated Celtics in history for sure. Great cornbread. little player.
1: All right, cornbread wh- owes me a dress some dress shirts, man. Oh really? He sold me some wolf tickets, yeah, man. He was telling me here yeah, when I was covering the Celtics, he had some nice dress shirts. He's like, oh man, I, I'll hook you up. Give me a dress shirt. I'll take it to the tailor and get some made for you. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm still waiting on it. Still waiting. <laughs> and I lost one of my shirts in the process.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And by the way, um, you you spent
1: your of course your years cornbread, in cornbread. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One of the greatest characters in NBA history. But go
0: ahead. Yeah, no, and 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 played during an era where he sort of gets lost in history, kind of when because when you think of great Celtics teams, he sort of preceded the Parish yeah. McHale Bird trio. All right, well, Mark that. This is a very exciting series coming up. I think we're all looking forward to it. You're in uh, L.A. or you're going to L.A. and you are going to park yourself there and they got you working hard, huh?
1: Oh, man. It's going to be a long... I mean, I've been covering the whole playoffs, so glad I was able to slip home for a couple of days. I'll fly out on Tuesday to go to Los Angeles. and uh... But uh, it'll be great fun. I'm looking forward to it.
0: What is the game day of a reporter so like what would take us take us real quickly through well your day. It,
1: it's a little different depending on what kind of reporter you are i mean i think it's more hectic for the people covering the teams. not only you have to do the day-to-day stuff they got to worry about national writers like me coming up with things but uh, you know the locker rooms open uh 90 minutes before the game starts but so typically get there two hours before the game starts and uh You know, right before the locker room, about half an hour before the locker room opens. I like to sit by the court, just kind of see who's around, see who's shooting, maybe talk to some coaches, stuff like that. And uh, there's just so many people in the finals, it's really hard sometimes to spend any time in the locker room. And most of the players are hiding anyways on this level. Uh, But both coaches will speak before the game, you might talk to a player or two. And then the game starts. (laughs)
0: <laughs> which players are the easiest, Mark, and which are the most difficult? Come on, give us some names. Come on.
1: Come on. Um, Mark. Give us some well, Garnett doesn't, if it's not a press conference, he typically doesn't like doing interviews.
0: Uh, <laughs> I can tell you're a big fan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, nah, he's he's not the easy I mean, he's an cat, but he, he's not a, you know, after the game, even during the regular season, you're not going to get him by his locker. You can on the road. But, uh, you know, he's a, uh, he's, Darnett is the most private player, I believe, in the NBA. Hmm. Uh, you know, Leon Poe tells this great story about how he invited Kevin invited him over to his house in Boston to watch a game or something. And so after a while driving around, he got lost and finally called Kevin and like, man, you know, how do I get there? You know? He's like just just stay where you're at. I'll drive down there and you can follow me up. And he, Leon said, You know what, I, I think he wanted me, to, he, he was glad that I was lost because he really doesn't want people to know how to get to his house. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, even when he, you know, he just said he's just that private, man. He, you know, um, he, and and that's his prerogative. He, he's he's uh, really not as trusting of the media. I don't I don't know. He's a guy that lets a lot of people into his world. Um, that's interesting. So yeah, I mean, Kevin, Kevin is not a bad guy. He's just, Culturally private, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, who's, as like... far as media darling... Yeah, um, who's the greatest guy? Oh, we just talk about guys in the series. Ray Allen is fantastic, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, all the guys on the Lakers are pretty good. Even Kobe can be really good, you know. Um, despite the demands on him, uh, Kobe always uh, has something interesting to say. You know, and Garnett has great answers. He's just, you're not going to get any one-on-ones, really, with him. Unless uh, you're ESPN or TNT or ABC and the league forces him to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ray Allen is, is is one of the best talkers, uh, media darlings uh, in league history. Uh, so that's that's about it in a nutshell. Both coaches fill a notebook up. you got to go listen to them. Okay. So.
0: Well, just want to get a little insight on your world. We want to just live vicariously through you for a second. That's interesting <laughs> to us. It could
1: be hell, too. <laughs> I'm sure it can be but, it, it, but it's mostly heaven
0: are you Are you personally looking and I'll let you go after this but are you personally Yeah, a little part of you looking forward to the end of the season just so you could breathe a little
1: um actually no because free agency is going to be speaking of hell it's going to be hell to deal with and uh
0: and the draft also and everything so. well the
1: draft's not not so bad I mean draft is actually kind of fun and this year I, I'm actually going to Go to the draft for the first time. Oh, I've never actually been to the draft and covered the NBA since '99. I've always covered it from, I guess, that team's home base, whether it was Denver or Boston. Um, but this is the first year I'll actually attend a draft, and I'm excited about that. Oh, cool! Um, that's fun. Yeah, so that no, that that's that's easy. Um, but the whole free agency thing is going to be a mess, and it's going to be, you know getting information and trying to stay up on every little thing LeBron says or does and weighs Good and, Lord. You know, it's, it's you know I, I thought it was going to be easier if Cleveland would have made it to the finals. It would, would have been a slam dunk that LeBron would stay. Um, I think most people probably thought that. Um, I don't think Wade is going anywhere. You know, the perception was entering the playoffs that the first big free agent to go anywhere would probably be Osh. Um, but now, after the, you know, Cleveland stumbled the way yeah. it stumbled, um, it's anybody's guess. And I get the question all the time: Where's LeBron? Who's going, where's LeBron going? I don't even know. If LeBron knows where he's going right now.
0: Yeah, I don't get you know, that sense either. Yeah. Uh,
1: but uh, the one thing about him is, it's it's good for Cleveland. Is it's uh, everything that happened was really emotional, and now he has time to sit back and kind of. Think about things, and and you'd hate that he'd make such a, you know, major decision in his life while emotional. So the good thing is he'll have a lot of time to think about it, and uh, be interesting to see, you know, what he decides. Well, Mark, just do,
0: do me a favor: don't end up like you know Rachel Nichols sitting out on Brett Favre's lawn, or like uh, Pedro Gomez following at Barry Bonds every move. Just don't end up like those <laughs> two. That's all I. That's all yes, I ask of you.
1: We'll see. <laughs> It could happen, huh? I hope not.
0: (laughs) All right. Mark Spears from Yahoo Sports. Dude, you have been uh, as generous as I could ever hope for. Your fourth appearance here, one before every round of the playoffs. And, um, you know, we'd love to have you when the situation merits moving forward. Really appreciate you coming on the show.
1: No problem, man. Mark
0: Spears, Yahoo Sports, right here. Gil Alexander, the betting dork. Thanks so much for listening.